It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's one of the major uh, industrial accidents in BC. And commemorating a tragedy, the 60th anniversary of the Ironworkers Bridge disaster. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, summer doesn't officially start until this Thursday, but many parts of BC already experiencing a heat wave. Those skyrocketing temperatures expected to last for at least a week. Grace Key reports now on how people have been enjoying the weather and the dangers you need to be aware of when it's so hot outside. After the driest May on record, June is bringing on the heat and people are flocking outside to enjoy the first heat wave of the season. I mean, it's a really nice day. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to take advantage of the sun. Yeah. yeah. It feels great to finally get outside and, you know, this is why we live in Vancouver, <laughs> to, to enjoy the beach and... Uh, get out in the sunshine. Environment Canada has posted a special weather statement as temperatures are expected to spike into the 30s this week. Vancouver is preparing for the warmer temperatures with cooling centers and portable water offered at some of the community centers. North Shore Rescue is bracing for what could be a busy week. Hikers packed the local mountains over the weekend and one person with a broken ankle had to get airlifted out of a trail near Lynn Headwaters. What do you think is just the most common issue for people out here? With the heat wave, it would be uh, lack of water and, uh, and just getting so dehydrated that they, they just don't have the energy to carry on and then they're going to get caught by darkness. Wildfire crews have contained a 50-hectare blaze burning near Mackenzie that had closed the only roads into the community. The Provincial Wildfire Service will be keeping a close eye on conditions over the next few days. Over the past 24 hours, the fire danger rating across the province has picked up quite substantially, and that's just due to the warm weather we've been seeing over the weekend. But many are just planning to make the most out of the week ahead. <laughs> Grace Key, Global News. Oh, she's happy. Well, just how hot did it actually get today? Let's uh, bring in our Kasha Baderka for more on that. Kasha, what are you seeing? Hi, good evening. Yeah, we've already smashed some records across the province. I'll show you that coming up in your weather forecast. But already it is smoking hot at this hour. Judging from the reds on the screen, look at look how hot it is. Temperatures in the mid to high 20s, even the 30s in some places. Bella Coola sits at 31. Kamloops at 31. 30 degrees all the way up north in Fort Nelson. It is no wonder that we do have the special weather statement that has been in place for much of the province, warning us of this potential heat wave. And for many of us, temperatures above 10 degrees or 10 degrees above seasonal, I should say. Just to give you an idea, this is the overall temperature trend for places like Fort Nelson. Look at this, 34 degrees come Tuesday and Wednesday. So coming up in the weather forecast, I'll let you know what you can expect in your neighborhood and how long this heat will stick around. Sonia? All right, looking forward to those details. Thank you. Uh, now let's get into that incident that overshadowed the BC Lions season home opener. A man now has been banned from BC Place Stadium for a year. Um, he ran onto the field in just his jersey and his underwear during the game last night. But it is how he was stopped by a BC Lions player that has a lot of people talking today. Kristen Robinson reports. There's no security, man. 
During a break in the second quarter of Saturday's home opener, a BC Lions fan clad in underwear and a jersey ran onto the field at BC Place. So he ran around for me like a minute, a minute and a half. And then when he came back towards like my side of the field, um, number eight sort of like laid it into him and hit him. BC Lions defensive back Marcel Young stepping in to tackle the fan. The player just like knocking him like, makes no sense, dude. He should have been on the field, should he? Usually they have like security, right, to do that. The fan eventually hauled off by security. And it's not the first field invasion at BC Place. Two years ago, a FIFA World Cup qualifier between Canada and Mexico marred by fans running onto the pitch. One man's antics bringing the match to a halt. Another individual tackled by a member of Team Canada. I think fans have to, to prevent fans from doing this. BC Place says security did exactly what they're trained to do. Calmly walk down anyone who enters the field and not engage a chase. At least have like more people around the areas where fans can get access to the field. While some see it as a security fail, BC Place says the only way to prevent streakers is to force shoulder-to-shoulder security on a family-friendly venue. There was in the area of 20,000 people in that venue. You can't have one security guard for every single person in the venue and try and see into what they think they might do when they get into the venue. This fan now banned from BC Place for a year after the field trespass. Aside from a cut foot, he's otherwise okay after taking a hit that didn't make the scoreboard but won the crowd. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Calgary, three young hockey players are in hospital tonight with one of them fighting for his life. The trio, including Geordie Bellreve, originally from North Vancouver, suffered serious burns while at a bachelor party bonfire just outside the city. Our report is from Global Calgary. Police say a substance was put into the fire pit, causing an explosion. That's what injured the three hockey players who were nearby. They sustained what EMS is describing as serious traumatic injuries, with one of the young men being transported in critical, life-threatening condition. The Lethbridge Hurricanes identify the injured as current players Jordy Bellreve and Ryan Vanderviles, as well as former Hurricane Matt Alfaro. Sources told Global News that the group was attending a bachelor party just northwest of town in the Bears Paw area. Cochrane RCMP and Rocky View Fire responded to the call just before midnight on Friday. According to Calgary EMS, the injured players were transported by private vehicle to the outskirts of Calgary where they were able to meet paramedics and be rushed to Foothills Hospital. One of them was transported to hospital in serious non-life-threatening condition. The second was transported in serious potentially life-threatening condition. And the third was transported in uh, critical life-threatening condition. In a statement, the hurricane said, Our heartfelt thoughts and prayers are with the families at this time. The hurricane's focus and priority is on the health of the players injured and will have no further comments at this time. 21-year-old Matt Alfaro now plays hockey for the University of Calgary Dinos, who said in a statement that Dinos representatives have been in communication with the Alfaro family as Matt recovers in a Calgary hospital. We appreciate the support expressed for Matt and the two representatives of the Lethbridge Hurricanes involved. Now, the Pittsburgh Penguins released a statement Sunday saying that they've been in direct contact with Jordy Bellreve. Bellreve signed an entry-level three-year contract back in September. The team says that he is expected to make a full recovery. Blake Law, Global News. Tensions running high in Surrey last night at a candlelight vigil for two teens shot and killed earlier this month. 
Members of the Indo-Canadian community confronting Liberal MP Suk Daliwal. They're demanding answers and more police officers for Surrey. The MP was attending the rally to show his support to the families of the two dead boys. Surrey's tolerance for gang violence reaching a tipping point after 16-year-old Jason Singh Duty and 17-year-old Jesse Singh Bungle were found dead by the side of the road two weeks ago in what police are saying was a targeted shooting. The families of the two teens who were not known to police were at the vigil pushing for real change. We just want the whole community to come together. Uh, mayors, MLAs, whoever is involved, they need, we need to make that change. So nobody loses their kid like this. Yes, it is scary because I have sisters, I have brothers too. If they, like, if we don't know what they're doing in school, then it's scary because they, because now they pass away and tomorrow it could be me, it could be my sisters, it could be my brother. Very devastating. It shouldn't have happened. And too many young kids are dying. And something has to change. They should take it serious now. Enough is enough. Disturbing scenes in Kelowna's mission area after a man was rushed to hospital suffering from stab wounds early this morning. Global Okanagan's Jules Knox reports now and a warning some of the images are graphic. A 35-year-old man from the North Okanagan is fighting for his life in hospital after an early morning stabbing. Police say it happened just after 2.30 in the morning on Sunday along the 4,000 block of Kelowna's Lakeshore Road. Neighbours reported that there was yelling and screaming. The victim was rushed to hospital with serious stab wounds. RCMP arrested three people near the scene and a police dog was brought in to help search for evidence. Blood could be seen on the pavement and evidence markers dotted the road. Police spent most of Sunday morning carefully sifting through bloody clothing and other evidence. A police photographer took pictures of the area. Cars heading southbound were diverted around the scene and at times northbound traffic was backed up. Police believe this is an isolated incident and say the public is not at risk, but they're asking anyone with information to contact RCMP. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. A 35-year-old man from the North Okanagan is fighting for his life in hospital after an early morning stabbing. Police say it happened just after 2.30 in the morning on Sunday um, along the 4,000 block of Colonna's Bridge. I do apologise for that. Let's move on to this now. On this day, 60 years ago, one of the worst industrial accidents in BC history happened. Dozens of ironworkers were helping to build a new bridge across Barad Inlet when it suddenly collapsed. Hundreds of men thrown into the water, 19 were killed. As Tanya Beja reports, the impact of that is still being felt six decades later. It was 3.40 on a warm June afternoon when workers heard the bridge give way. We heard a big bang, a sharp like a, a gunshot. Uh, the noise that was coming from ripped steel and concrete piers cracking and... Uh, it was loud. 79 workers thrown into Burrard Inlet in one of British Columbia's worst industrial accidents. 19 people, including a diver, died after the second Narrows Bridge collapsed. Survivors still haunted by the memories. I hit the water. I'm underwater. I'm still alive. I'm hurt. Tide's coming in. My life jacket is ripped off. The tide was coming up and they were afraid to die. Screaming, scared. 
60 years after the tragedy, three survivors and the families of victims gather at the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge to honour the men who lost their lives. I was on my way home from school with a friend of mine whose father worked uh, with my father. And that's where we heard the news. Well, I always think of my father, you know, and what he went through. I set the table for him. He, we didn't hear about his uh, passing until 8.30, o'clock. Organizers of the memorial say it's one way for British Columbians to remember their past. Well, I think every day when we get up to go to work, we don't think that, you know, we're not going to come home at night. A lot of people, you know, they drive across the bridge every day and they don't realize maybe the loss of life uh, building the bridges. A great deal of men lost their lives building it. So on June the 17th, say a prayer or two for the deceased and the children that lost their fathers. Tanya Beja, Global News. Welcome back. Well, the provincial government announced $1.5 million will be going to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation today. Health Minister Adrian Dix happy to make the announcement on Father's Day, saying the funding will help expand the foundation's programs, which encourage men to adopt a healthier lifestyle and prevent health problems. It's great news. The Canadian Men's Health Foundation does extraordinary work in providing information to men about uh, health, their uh, uh, their uh, their campaign, their Don't Change Much campaign, their You Check assessment tool, the work they do in Indigenous communities with the Dudes Club around British Columbia, improve men's health, they pro- give men access to the information they need to stay out of the emergency room, to stay away from the doctor's offices and stay healthier longer. And this is ultimately what we want to do is live life to the fullest. And on Father's Day especially, it's good to reflect on the things that men can do to improve their health. The fight against prostate cancer front and centre at an annual Father's Day walk today. The run and walk at Burnaby Lake was one of five happening around the province today. Over the past 20 years, Prostate Cancer Foundation organisers estimate they've raised millions of dollars in research and awareness about the disease. One in eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. Many of the people taking part in today's race have personal connections to the disease. I lost my dad. A lot of people have lost their dads to cancer and and other things. And uh, it's a great way to show support for all the men in your life. And uh, we say if you can't run from it, because it's hard to run from cancer, you've got to run for it. Thousands of people taking to the streets of Vancouver this weekend for the annual Car Free Day. Main Street was blocked off to car traffic for most of the day. Yesterday, Denman Street was closed. Uh, Commercial Drive, they get uh, their Car Free Day festival in July. Uh, Lots of lively street entertainment. Vendors, of course, as well along roads, usually packed with vehicles as well. We have a lot of new stages that we haven't had before, So there and there's even more vendors and especially food vendors, so there's just lots of things to taste, lots of things to listen to. Something for everybody? Pretty much, yeah. It's kind of overwhelming how much there is at Car Free Day, actually. All right, it was a nice day for it as well. Mm-hmm. Perfect today. day for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and did you get to get out to enjoy it much today? Yeah, was, of course. It's a beautiful day. Well, got shorts on today. I did take a cruise today <laughs> with the family. Yes, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Went out towards uh, Cultus Lake. The top was down oh. on the way here too. Yeah, Yeah. nice. And so is it going to carry on for Oh, for some days? time. It's only just begun for us throughout Metro Vancouver. Temperatures still on the rise. But it's not only hot here. It's other parts of the country as well. We 
talked about that a little bit earlier. We have heat alerts in Ontario, Alberta, even the Northwest Territories. And now what I'm thinking is with our special weather statements in place, I think some of them are going to be upgraded to heat warnings as well in coming days. We'll start to see that tomorrow, one place on the island is going to be feeling like 38 degrees. Mm-hmm. I'll oh have those details coming up. Wow. All right. Cheers for that, Kasia. And uh, we were mentioning earlier the, the guy that ran on with, in just his underpants. Yes. The BC Lions. I guess guy, you're yeah. taking a different angle on the BC Lions game. A little game. bit, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we'll have a little more clothing involved. <laughs> In our show, uh, actually, we'll talk. Um, we'll look back at the Lions' win. Very impressive. Also, World Cup big upset today. Mexico beat Germany, and apparently, when Mexico scored their goal in Mexico City, they measured a, a false earthquake, meaning there was so much. Everyone they figured jumped. Wow. At the same time, in Mexico City, they had like a party of hundreds wow. of thousands that had actually uh, registered on their earthquake wow. uh, measuring devices. So that's, that's, that's a that's lot of people wild. cheering at once. So at the same time. Well, highlights. Welcome back. Well, a Muslim community west of Edmonton left in shock after their mosque caught fire. Someone started the fire at the south entrance of the mosque in Edson at about 11 o'clock last night. This was just as uh, visitors were leaving after evening prayers at that point. Security footage showing a hooded suspect leaving the area. A board member with the society says police and firefighters arrived quickly. They managed to put the fire out. Luckily, very little damage. Police have confirmed, though, that they are dealing with a case of arson. We've had um, an outpouring of response from the Edson community through Facebook, um, of message of uh, condolences or concern or disgust with regards to the act. It's been um, very heartwarming to see the amount of messages that have come our way. In Texas, five undocumented immigrants are dead and 12 were hurt after a chase involving border patrol agents in Texas. A crash happened off Highway 85 at about noon today. Police say 14 people were inside, including the driver and passenger. An SUV was traveling at more than 100 miles an hour when it crashed and rolled over, throwing 12 people from the vehicle. A total of nine were taken to area hospitals, including the driver, who is believed to be a U.S. citizen. Meantime, First Lady Melania Trump has issued a statement saying she hates to see families separated at the U.S.-Mexican border. She's also hoping both sides of the aisle can reform the country's immigration laws. Very little evidence of that, though, with the Trump administration and the Democrats blaming each other right now. The showdown expected later this week. What do we want? Justice! A march for family reunification in Tornillo, Texas. Where children separated from their parents as they crossed over the border are now housed in tents. A lot of them are escaping murder, rape, and all sorts of horrors down there. And all they want to do is make is get to a safe place for their kids. A bill stopping the separation practice will be brought to Congress this week. This is inhumane. I'd like to say it's un-American, but it's happening right now in America. President Trump heads to Capitol Hill Tuesday to talk immigration reform with House Republicans. But he blames the Democrats. I hate the children being taken away. The Democrats have to change their law. That's their law. But Attorney General Jeff Sessions enacted the zero-tolerance policy in April, leaving nearly 2,000 children 
children in shelters, their parents in jail. If I commit a crime and I am put in jail, my four children are separated from their mother because we don't have a policy. Or why would you want the children in jail with their parents? You want them in a facility. Even Republicans say parents who come to a legal port of entry with claims of asylum are not supposed to lose their children. And the administration needs to put an end to that right off. The Trump administration denies it's using the children as hostages to get its border wall. Congress has been working on a compromise immigration bill, but President Trump's trip here on Tuesday is a sign there's still work to be done before it'll pass. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. 22 people have been hurt after two gunmen opened fire at a New Jersey art gallery early this morning. It happened at an all-night art show in Trenton just before 3 a.m. Of the 17 victims who were treated for gunshot wounds, four of them remain in critical condition, including a 13-year-old boy. One of the suspects was shot and killed by police, the second taken into custody. Police believe a neighborhood beef is behind the shooting. Officers also investigating whether an attempted carjacking was connected to the shooting. In Europe, hundreds of African migrants finally landed in Spain today after spending the past week stranded at sea. The Aquarius arriving in the port city of Valencia carrying 629 men, women and children who've all fled Libya for Europe. Spain opened their doors to the refugees after Italy and Malta both refused to take them in, revealing deep divisions within Europe over immigration. The migrants' tumultuous journey began last weekend when they left Libya for Europe crammed onto inflatable boats. When heavy winds tossed some passengers into the sea, rescuers intervened and saved 629 people. We would just go, 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 trying to get life jackets, throwing them at the people as they fell. Italy helped with the rescue operation, but the country's newly elected populist government refused to let the Aquarius dock on its shores. Malta said no too, exposing deep divisions over undocumented migrants fleeing to Europe. We have the most vulnerable of the vulnerable on this ship right now, and they're being used to transport across the Mediterranean for some idiotic exercise of political influence. And, and these people are suffering. On Monday came news that Spain would take the ship in. The migrants, mostly from Africa, will join roughly 37,000 others who the UN says have reached European shores so far this year. But human rights activists worry others won't be as lucky because this episode may have set a precedent of turning migrants away. The U.N. says nearly 800 people have died or disappeared trying to cross the Mediterranean to get into Europe this year. EU leaders are set to discuss asylum rules at a summit at the end of this month. Roxana Saberi, CBS News, London. Greece and Macedonia signed off a deal that, if ratified, could finally resolve a long-standing dispute over Macedonia's name. The agreement was signed at a Greek village that's closest to both countries. Under the deal, Greece's northern neighbour will be renamed North Macedonia. Until now, Greece had objected to the use of the name Macedonia, saying it implied territorial designs on a northern province with the same name. In return, Greece will suspend its, ob its objections that prevented Macedonia from joining NATO and the EU. About 40 kilometres away, a protest by Greek nationalists turning violent. Twelve people were hurt, including six officers. 
Remarkable video now to show you. Uh, lava and gas erupting from a volcano in the Galapagos Islands. The image is taken from a nearby boat. Clouds of gas rose hundreds of meters into the air as a river of lava poured into the sea on the island's northern slope. The island has no one living there, but officials say various wildlife, including iguanas and penguins, are being threatened. The 1,500-meter volcano first began erupting nine months ago. And another unusual sighting, this time in southeast Edmonton. A global viewer capturing this image of a moose hanging around the city. The animals seem to like one house in particular. Uh, was there in the front yard for some time. A city official says park rangers are keeping an eye on the animal. They say it is a healthy moose, no signs of injury. This time of year, yeah, there are young calves who start to wander away from their mothers. There's another one crossing the road. Guys, baby. Oh, my God. And here's something that you don't really see every day. A man from Missouri sending in this video of an extremely rare sighting of a cream-colored bear cub. He was uh, on holiday with his three children at a provincial park in the Rockies when he caught this video of the cub chasing after its mother. He says he spoke to park rangers who confirmed this is really rare to see. Well, the mother turned around and looked right at us and seemed really agitated. And what we didn't, and so I stopped. And what I didn't realize was that third cub, which was the albino, was coming way behind the other two. Just the idea of seeing a grizzly and her cubs and then uh, an albino on top of that. Uh, we don't think we're going to top that bear sighting ever. And from bears to geese, this gaggle also caught on camera by a global viewer crossing an intersection in northeast Edmonton. They clearly didn't jaywalk, making sure they used the crosswalk properly to get to the other side of the road. That's right, there's a huge block party happening here at Surrey City Center, the 5X block party. I'm here with Kabir, who is the, the Bangara, like you organized the whole competition, correct? Yeah, so okay. I was in charge of organizing the competition. That was a two versus two. Yeah. It was the first ever two versus two Bangara competition happening. So. And what is what is 5X Black so, Party, the fest, the whole thing? Yeah, so 5X is actually a South Asian music festival, and it's the first South Asian music festival to happen here in Surrey. Wow. So we're really excited. It's a chance for all the artists to, uh, you know, showcase their talent and yeah. just, you know, get everyone to come out, dance, have a good time. Yes, I love that it's like right here in a public space yeah. where people can come together, maybe learn a dance or two and yeah, yeah, you know, meet totally. some new people, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I did a workshop earlier and it was pretty fun. So many people came out and just wanted to learn the steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long is the event going for? So the event starts at 3 o'clock. So it started at 3 uh, and there's a bunch of DJs going up. There's also some artists coming on, and uh, it's going to go till about 8, 9 o'clock. Okay, yeah. all right. All right, you're going to show me some, some um, yeah, dance moves routine. too, right? All right, all right, so show me. Let's go. And five, six, seven, eight. One, two. Five, six, seven, clap. I got rhythm. I did. I got rhythm. I did. There you go. And five, six, seven, kick. One, two. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, all right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for not making me look bad. All right, all right, all right. Woo. All right, well, come out to the 5X block parties happening all night long. Back to you. Fantastic. You were brilliant. What a natural Michael is. But I have to say, you know, I've grown up on this stuff, Kasha. So, you know, hoi, hoi.
But like, I didn't. I, I grew up on the pole. I could teach so you. you. Really don't want to do it after the like show. That. After the show. After the show. I'll take you up on that. <laughs> All right. Hey, they were working up quite the sweat with really warm temperatures. Further inland, we've been experiencing temperatures around 30 degrees. We did reach our daytime high of about 24 degrees near the water. We're at 22 at this hour. I promised you some records that were smashed. Take a look at these numbers from today. Lillooet, 34 degrees. This was just over the past few hours. Smashed a previous record set back in 2003. A few other weather stations had uh, broken some records. And I suspect over the next coming days, we're going to see that as well every day with even more impressive numbers. So what is going on here? So first off, I do want to take your attention to this low over Idaho. Still gives us a slight risk of a shower, even tomorrow, sneaking into the Elk Valley. So Places like Cranbrook, you do have a 60% risk of showers, but everybody else, this ridge of high pressure is asserting itself over the entire province. It is gripping us. It is strong, persistent, relentless, really. That's a lot of adjectives there. It's a very strong ridge of high pressure, and it's going to be sticking around at least until next Friday. That's what the charts are showing at this point. And look at the temperatures that we are expecting. So I showed you off the top of the show what's happening to the north. Now a look at what's happening through the southern interior. The overall trend, temperatures in the 30s, Monday through Wednesday at least, and not until Friday that we start to see a reprieve, if you want to call 27 a reprieve, really still above seasonal metro Vancouver inland sections also. Tomorrow and Tuesday, that's going to be the peak of our heat. By Friday, we're going to be back to seasonal at 21 degrees. But with all of this heat, of course, we do have some risks involved, don't we? Uh, So I want to take your attention to the fire danger rating. So this was yesterday's map, the potential. You'll note a lot of greens here. So this was a low risk for southern uh, parts of the province. And today, a very different uh, situation. Many yellows here. It was a moderate risk of, uh, of a fire potentially igniting today. And I think this is going to be elevated in the days to come because of the overall pattern that we have going on. Thunderstorms to the south of us, they will not be impacting us, though there is a system to the far northeast that's uh, within um, uh, the Northwest Territories, rather, that's going to be impacting us or potentially impacting us in the BC Peace River region. And that's going to be at the upper alpine levels through this evening. Meanwhile, not seeing much on radar returns right here at home. This cloud cover is associated with that system to the far north. Meanwhile, let's take a quick uh, zip across the province. Your long-range forecast, the BC piece. We are looking at 30-degree temperatures on your Monday. A little bit more cloud cover moves in on Tuesday. Gusty and Whitehorse, a little more cloud cover too. 30, 23 rather on your Monday. Uh, and for you along the north coast, we're looking at 21. That's going to be your daytime high with a sun-cloud mix. Also, sun and clouds on your Tuesday. Plenty of sunshine in the forecast for you through the caribou in the central interior 30 degrees tomorrow in prince george 32 on your tuesday a little bit closer to seasonal for you in the southeast corner of the province so the columbia and the kootenai river region uh, region rather you are not under the special weather statement however 30 degrees for you in Kelowna, sun and clouds tuesday full-on sunshine whistler 32 pemberton lower town at 36 degrees and look at this 28 for victoria but interior sections will be feeling like 36 to east even 38 degrees. Yeah, that's going to be with your Humidex. So your long-range forecast for Metro Vancouver. Sonia, I hope you like the sun. I do love the sun. I'm not one of those people that starts saying it's too hot after 10 minutes. You say, no, I'm going to enjoy that. Thank you very much, Kasha. Now, we've seen some pretty expensive real estate listings here in BC, but the list price for a tiny house in California is getting a lot of attention right now. This is a two-bedroom, one-bathroom bungalow in Palo Alto. It is not even 900 square feet. 
Uh, the cottage featuring a remodeled detached garage that can be used as a spare bedroom or office. But you have to go outside to access the laundry room in the basement. That could be a bit of a hassle, especially if you're paying the price tag, which is just under $2.6 million. That's about $2,800 per square foot. Um, we can tell you there have been no offers just yet. My people felt like, based on its location and the opportunity on the lot itself, that this was a price that they, they were comfortable with. A house just down the street that was listed for $1.8 million recently sold for two and a quarter, and that was a house that you couldn't even live in. Fans of Beyonce and Jay-Z were given a welcome surprise today after the power couple released their first joint album. All right, this is the new one. It's called Everything is Love, and it's streaming exclusively on Tidal. Uh, that's uh, the record label the couple co-owns. Uh, the album follows Beyonce's 2016 record Lemonade, which addressed and forgave her husband for infidelity. And last year, there was an album from Jay-Z, which saw him admitting to cheating and asking for forgiveness. The couple just launched their On the Run 2 joint tour in the UK last week. All right, I didn't catch any World Cup today. You didn't. So I'm glad you're here. Well, there were some uh, pretty impressive matches. There's been okay. some, you know, everyone tries to predict. Mm-hmm. It's been hard to predict so far in the first week. All right, thanks, Sonia. Okay. There has been a statement over the first four days of Russia 2018. It's take nothing for granted. This will not be a World Cup where the favorites waltz in and manage their way through the group stage and then ramp it up for the knockout stage. The contenders best be ready to play right now because the upsets are coming fast and furious. Germany, Mexico, the Germans have won four titles. Only Brazil with five has won more. But in the first half, 35th minute, here comes Mexico. Herving Lozano. Great move. Right foot finish, stunning start for Mexico. And as we said in Mexico City, they actually made the earth move. They had an earthquake measured after they scored the goal. Germany, of course, trying to tie Tony Cruz with the brilliant free kick, but Guillermo Ochoa just got a piece. Late in the game, Germany with another chance. Julian Brandt hammers one, but just a bit wide. And Mexico pulls off a major upset, 1-0 over Germany. Meanwhile, Brazil and Switzerland, the Brazilians, another one of those considered to have a great chance to win it all. In the 20th, Philippe Coutinho with a beauty, and the Brazilians are up 1-0. Off the post and in, curled perfectly by Coutinho, and Brazil has the advantage. But in the 50th, off the set piece, Corner kick, Steven Zuber with the perfect header, and that's the way it ends. 1-1, a huge result for the Swiss. Brazil still in control of their own destiny in their group, but not the start they were looking for. And Serbia, Costa Rica, Whitecaps captain Kendall Waston, part of the Costa Rican squad. First half, best chance, Serbia. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic tries something spectacular, but Kaylor Navas makes the save. 0-0 at the half. Second half. Alexander Kolarov with a free kick, and that is spectacular. We've seen some amazing free kicks already in the first four days of World Cup 2018. Serbia wins it 1-0. Group G gets going tomorrow, a group that features England and Belgium. Here's more from Chanel.
Belgium could be considered a dark horse to win it all with a group of players known as the Golden Generation, Hazard, Lukaku, just to name a few. But this group has failed to live up to the hype so far. Kevin De Bruyne will be in charge of breaking down the defense with his clinical passes and crosses. Now Belgium is a solid all-around squad capable to make a deep run. Panama squeaked into the final for the first time ever at the expense of the Americans. Now they may not have the skill or speed, but they do play tough against any team in the world. Now the goal here in Russia is to get at least a result versus Tunisia. Panama are 40 to 1 to win the group, so essentially they'll play their three games and then head home. Tunisia went undefeated in qualifying, but the road to the final wasn't that difficult. The bad news, star player Yusuf Masakni has been ruled out with an injury. Now they do boast a strong midfield and have some solid forwards, but Tunisia will be among the biggest underdogs in Russia and they have to open against England. The English were unbeaten in qualification, Harry Kane leading the way with five goals. He'll need to continue scoring if this side wants to go far. England does possess a dynamic side with a lot of pace and power in the midfield and a defense that can push forward. Now, goalkeeping will be crucial as England has the potential to venture into the quarterfinals or even deeper. Welcome back. A day after weather conditions and a, na- a nasty tough course setup had players grumbling at the U.S. Open. The USGA redeemed itself today in the final round at Shinnecock, keeping the course challenging but softening it up to reward good shots. And we saw a lot of them today as players chased golf's second major of the season. And like yesterday, there was a big move from a player who had an early tee time. Englishman Tommy Fleetwood started the day six shots off the lead, but he zipped up the leaderboard. Four birdies on the front side against just one bogey. Great approach at the sixth to three feet led to one of those birdies. Then Fleetwood put the pedal down on the back from the fringe on 14, knocks it in for birdie on one of the toughest holes on the course. Then at 15 from 29 feet, it's a fourth straight birdie for Fleetwood. Gets to seven under for the day. Now at 18, he has a putt for a 62 and the all-time U.S. Open low score, but just slides it by. Settled for a 7-under 63, the sixth time someone has shot 63 at the Open. At plus two, he waits to see if that's good enough. Masters champ Patrick Reed came out on fire. Five birdies in his first seven holes, but he fell just short, finishing fifth. Most eyes were on the pairing of Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, the last two U.S. Open champs. They began the day tied for the lead at three over. Kepka was the one who got it going early, birdied the second, and then his approach at three stuffs it close. Another birdie. Kepka gets to plus one. Meanwhile, Dustin Johnson struggled with the putter. He did on the weekend. Didn't putt well yesterday. Misses a short one for par at seven. Kepka, meanwhile, at the tenth. Another fine approach. This one to about seven feet, and he would make this one for another birdie. Kepka gets to even par, three under for the day, extends his lead to two. Now to the 11th. Johnson, another short one for par, and another miss. Johnson would end up in third. While DJ could not make the clutch putts, Kepka couldn't miss at the 14th for par. Knocks it in. And he's pumped up. you got to make those par putts, those par saves to win at the U.S. Open. 
16th. And this is the best shot of the tournament for Brooks Kepka from 122 yards out. Third shot on the par five and throws another dart to three feet. Would make the birdie. Gave him a two-shot lead and some cushion as he played 18. Taps in for bogey here, but still a one-shot win. 28-year-old Brooks Kepka goes back-to-back at the U.S. Open. First player since Curtis Strange in 1988 and 89. It hasn't sucked in yet. Uh, this is incredible. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I could have dreamed of this going back to back. Um, it's it's truly special, and uh, I'm so honored. Final round of the Canadian Tours Golf BC Championship from Gallagher's Canyon in Kelowna. Kimberly's Jared Dutrois with a chance to get his first pro win started the day in second. Played well. Eagle attempt here just short. Made that for birdie. Jared finished fifth. $8,000 payday plus another $2,500 for top Canadian. But it was American George Cunningham who took the victory. Stuffs his approach shot here at 18. And he would tap this in for a birdie to finish in style as Cunningham wins the Golf BC Championship by two shots, finishing at 20 under. The tour is in Lethbridge, Alberta next week. Well, the Lions showed a few things in their season opener last night that they hope will continue as the year goes on. An efficient offense and a high-pressure defense that can make big plays. Add it all up, and it was a 22-10 win against the Alouettes as Wally Buono will retire at the end of this season. His final season opener as a head coach in the CFL. First quarter, down 7-0, but Jonathan Jennings, 35 yards to Shaq Johnson. Jennings had a very efficient night. Made his first seven passes. It was 10-9 Montreal at the half, but then the line defense took over. Otha Foster with one of five sacks on the night. And the Lions, as promised, with a much better pass rush this year. Fourth quarter, more from the Lion defense as uh, Gary Peters picks off Drew Willie. And the Lions turn that into this touchdown. Jennings to Corey Watson. And the Lions off to a winning start in 2018 as they beat the Alouettes 22-10. to you know, we talked in the preseason about getting, uh, you know, starting off a little faster than we did early on, and uh, I thought we did that tonight. Um, just got to make sure we pump up the middle of the game and, and put some more points up on the board. But um, you know, I feel good about the win. Uh, we did a great job tonight, getting a start, uh, a good start, and uh, you know, we're just going to build from this. It was really critical. Uh, he made plays. Uh, he used his legs to get his valuable first downs, uh, made some great throws for the touchdowns. And, you know, 20 out of 24, I don't think he had any picks. I don't think he had any turnovers. Uh, you know, very efficient. All right, baseball now. Mariners and Red Sox completing their four-game set at Safeco. Seattle coming off a one nothing shutout win on Saturday, but the Red Sox had the hitting shoes on today. They put up five in the third. The big blow, this monster three-run shot by Raphael Devers. Red Sox gain a split after the 9-3 win. Mariners begin a series at Yankee Stadium Tuesday. Meanwhile, Nationals and Blue Jays. Toronto going for the three-game sweep against one of the best teams in the National League. Eighth inning tied at six. Teoscar Hernandez, solo homer to left, made it 7-6 Toronto. And then the next man up, Yanjervis Salarte, knocks it out on a line drive. Back-to-back jacks for the Jays, who win 8-6 to complete the sweep. All right, finally tonight, time to take you back to Burnaby Lake, where people who were at this year's Father's Day walk run for prostate cancer had some special messages for Dad. I'll be the best Father's Day ever, Dad. Hang out with my dad all day. You know, it means a lot to him and my grandfather to come out. So, Look at the run for the them. Make them proud. Um, happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day to my dad. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs>
Yeah. Happy Father's Day, Barry. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, um, all the we love the socks and ties. By the way, keep them coming. <laughs> I got an egg maker for my husband. Actually, <laughs> oh, <laughs> an <right>. egg maker. <laughs> <laughs> Makes his own eggs. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.